All right, Deuteronomy chapter 29. I want to read just one verse, if you would, and that's verse 29. It says, this is Moses. Now, this is Moses' swan song, basically. This is the last book that he wrote, and this is right before he, the Lord calls him home up on top of the mountain, Mount Pisgah. He's overlooking the promised land. He's given these last, he's recounting a lot of the historical things about all that God had done for them, for the Israelites, and for the law that he had given, and given the people one last charge before he dies, and then Joshua will be actually lead them into the promised land. But look at Deuteronomy 29, 29. And he says, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but, these, but the, those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the wor- works, all the words of this law. And there's a thought that, that I want to talk about this morning. There, there, there are secret things that belong to God. There are things right now today that only God knows that others don't know, that he has not chosen yet to reveal to men. When we see him, we'll be like him. When, uh, the Bible says, uh, you know, when we'll see him, we'll be like him, for we'll see him as he is. And we're going to uh, put away childish things and so forth, and, and faith is going to end in sight. There's a lot more that is to be revealed for the child of God, Okay. There are things that God has kept hidden, and there are things that were hidden for a time, and then he revealed them, like Christ, Jesus Christ the Lord. All the prophets prophesied until John, and then John the Baptist, and then came Christ. And that was a revelation, in fact, the fullest and greatest revelation of the Lord. But there's two thoughts here. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. The things that are secret, that he has chosen to not reveal to men or not to reveal to men as of yet. That's all that word secret means. It means hidden. It means concealed. It means kept alone. So there are things that God has kept to himself. You know, when Jesus comes back on a white horse, there's another name he has. The Bible says in Revelation, we know he's faithful and true, and and he's the word of God, and we know these different names of the Lord that he has revealed to us. But there is another name for Jesus that we don't know yet, that we're going to find out, you know, that's revealed, that's kept secret, but it's coming to us because he's going to reveal it. So these th- secret things belong to the Lord. I'm just going to read this from Romans 16:25. Our main scripture is going to be this in Deuteronomy 29, but Romans 16:25. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the, since the world began. The whole complete, full revelation of the gospel was kept hidden. It was revealed in part, but it was perfectly revealed when Christ came and in this gospel of salvation that men by believing in Christ and his work on the cross can be saved, that was kept secret. There are things about our salvation, the Bible says, that we are kept in First Peter by the power of God, through, through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So there's something still about our salvation. You say, well, I'm saved. Hallelujah. So am I. And we're washed in the blood of Jesus. When we die, we're going to heaven. We can't be any more saved. But there's more to our salvation. Glorified body, for example, that we're going to receive at the rapture. There's more where, where we don't struggle against sin anymore and temptation, where Christ is all in all. So there's even more to our salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. When, when the Lord came and spoke to Moses at the burning bush, his deliverer for, for the nation of Israel at that hour, 
And he said to, to Moses, I, I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and to Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But by the name, my name Jehovah was I not known unto them. And what's the point of this? The point is just simply there are things that God has kept secret and in the fullness of time or when he's ready in his wisdom, he makes them known. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew the Lord as Lord Almighty and maybe some other names as well. They didn't know him as Jehovah. The Lord revealed himself to Jehovah at the burning bush when he spoke to Moses. The point is there are things that are kept secret by God, and maybe one day they will be revealed to us, but they're also, for our purposes today, in Deuteronomy 20, 29, 29, the secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but the things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever. Basically, that we might obey and keep them. Not the Old Testament law. Like we heard in Sunday school, there's a big difference between the Old Testament, Old Covenant, and the New Covenant. Okay? We're part of the New Covenant in the blood of Jesus. But the things that God has chosen to, in his majesty, in his wisdom, in his kindness, to reveal to men about himself, those then belong to us. So I just want that to sink in for a minute. It sounds like a simple thought. If he has spoken it in his word, and we have it before us, it belongs to us. I'm not saying we're Israel or part of the old time. I'm saying whatever God has revealed to, to us, to men, about men, or about the future, or about his plans for mankind, or about his power to heal or redeem, or how he's perfectly manifest in Christ Jesus, whatever he has revealed to us, that belongs to us. And it belongs to us so that we'll keep it, that we'll obey it, that we will walk in it, and I heard this phrase before, and I agree with it, and I've used it myself a, a, a few times in my life. Beware of asking the way when God has already shown it to you. If God has revealed something to you plainly and clearly from the Bible, for a New Testament believer, something about himself, some direction from your life, some way that a Christian should live, or whatever it may be, that he has clearly revealed about himself or your life or my life or, or life in general, the future, the preaching of the gospel, whatever he's revealed, we don't go and question those things now and, and put them and scratch our heads and wonder if it's so. But God, beware of asking the way, asking the Lord, wonder what I do, what should I do about this or that when God has already clearly revealed it to you in your word. Don't go to some other source. He is the fountain of life. Amen. We go to him in the fountain of wisdom. There are things that he has not yet revealed to us, but the things that he has revealed to men in general and to our hearts and lives, primarily through the Bible, through the word of God, are things that he has already shown us. When he has clearly revealed those things, we're not to ask, what about this, God, when he has already shown us? He's revealed things about himself, his heart, his ways, his will for men. We, you know what we do with those things? They belong to us. You know what that word belongs? Sometimes I'll look up simple words because it helps me. I think well, we all know what belongs. The, the things that are revealed belong to us, Moses said. Things that God revealed to men belong to us. Okay. What does belong means? It means to have, but it also means to love, to delight in, to desire, to cling to. So the things that God has revealed to us, we are to love and delight in, to cling to. 
They're not just, okay, kind of let it come in one ear and out the other. Some commandment of God, some instruction of God, some revelation of the Lord, some direction for our lives. The voice of the good shepherd when he speaks to us, and we just kind of, well, that's nice. And we might let it slip and let it go. They belong to us. And we're to cling to those things and love those things and delight in those things. Don't The things that God has revealed to us, and he, the Bible says he's given us all things according as his divine power, the Holy Ghost, has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness by the knowledge of him who's called us to glory and virtue. What is that saying? God has uh, equipped us. God has given us all that's needed for us to live this life, to live a godly life according to our knowledge of the Lord. So there's been a revelation and an impartation of Christ to our lives. Here's what I'm saying this morning, what the Lord's saying. Don't question the things that God has already spoken. Don't question the things that God has carefully and kindly and clearly revealed to us. What he has manifest unto us. I want to read this from. Well, I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. But the things that God has revealed to us, we don't put those things back into doubt. You just it'd be like a, a father or a mother speaking to a child and saying, Christmas Eve, we're, we're doing such and such. And you get to open one present, okay, on Christmas Eve. And then the child leaving and saying, I wonder if I really get to open one present on Christmas Eve. Let me go ask my neighbors. Do you think my parents really meant that I can open one Christmas present on Christmas Eve? Let me ask my friends at school. Let me ask my teacher what they think. Let me talk to the school counselor and say, see if they think. What's the point of that? If you can trust your parents, okay? How much more can we trust the Lord? I'm talking about the things that are clearly spoken to us and revealed to us. We're not to put those things back into doubt. We're not the, the things that he has revealed to us. This is what progressive, a, a year and a half ago or a couple years ago, spoke about the progressive church. Open-minded, free thinkers, okay? This is what they do with the Bible. God has said it. Yeah, I see it right here before me. But you know the Bible is filled with errors. I'm speaking on their behalf, okay? <clears throat> the Bible is filled with errors. We're not really sure we can trust it. We're, it's written by people that were culturally biased. And they're just speaking from their own experience in lives. And so they put everything back on the table. We're going to start and put it all back up. Everything God has said, everything we know about God We'll put it back on the table, and it's like we're going to start from scratch. Beware of that. Seriously beware of that. When God has already taken the time and the love and the care to reveal himself to us through Christ, to give us his word, which is forever ever settled in heaven, we don't put those things back into doubt. Now, I'll admit there's a lot of things about the Lord and eternity and things like that I don't know. But I'm talking about the things that he has revealed to us. Those are ours. We're to cling to those and love those and hold to those things and walk in those things. Don't inquire of the Lord. What is God's will for me in this situation? What is the truth about this matter or this doctrine? The Lord is saying, I've already shown you that. I've already shown you that. 
what are you hoping to hear now? You know what people do a lot of times, and I say Christians can do this, certainly people can do it, and Christians can do it as well. We go to the Word, or we go to a pastor, or we go to a strong Christian friend or mentor or someone in our lives, and they give us counsel from the Word of God, and we nod and we walk away and say, I didn't really like that. So I'm going to go to somebody else. I'm going to get their counsel. And then I'm going to go to somebody else. And finally, you'll hit upon the one that told you what you really wanted to hear in the first place. Because you didn't want to hear the truth. And you didn't want to hear what God had to say. And so we keep bouncing around until we end up listening to something that's not of God. And he's saying, I've already told you that. I've already told you that. I've already given you the answer to that. It's for all men. It's for all Christians. It's for your life, what he's revealed to us. And we go to the Lord, and the Lord says, I've already, or we jump around from place to place. And the Lord said, I've already given you that. What's God's judgment about this sin or this? Does he really think it's a sin or on this matter? Well, you know, what, what, wonder what God thinks about this maybe. And the Lord's saying, I've already given you that. I've already given you that. Now, I'll say this. <clears throat> There's nothing sinful about honestly not knowing something and, uh, you know, speculating. Like, if you were to say, what is it really, really going to look like in heaven on the streets of gold? It says they're clear as, as like, glass. They're solid gold, but they're clear as glass. What is that really going to look like? I don't know. I can think about that. Nothing wrong with speculating and wondering like that. But it is sin and unwise when, when God, we question the things that he has already revealed to us. What if there's another Savior coming after Jesus? What if he saved us from, uh, you know, uh, natural-born sin, basically, but he didn't save us from sins that we commit in the body? You know, and we start questioning things that we've, have already been revealed that is doubt, it's unbelief, it's confusion, it's rebellion, and it leads to more confusion and rebellion, and God is not the author of confusion. Whatever's not of faith is sin. You and I need to be able to go to the Word of God, read it, whether we fully understand it or not, or whether it's what we expected to hear or read from the Bible or not, we need to be able to believe it and hold on to it. And say, Lord, you know best. Your ways are not our ways, right? Your thoughts are not our thoughts. Whatever's not a faith is sin. It's actually rebellion. I'm talking about what the Lord has revealed to us. When we begin to question the things that are clearly revealed to men in the word of God, about God or whatever, about man or whatever it may be, when we begin to question those things, it, it takes us in one direction. It takes us away from the Lord. It takes us away from the Lord. It moves you and, and me. It moves us from, in a very distinct direction, away from truth, away from the truth as it is in Christ Jesus. It's not simple, harmless, innocent speculation when God's already given it to us. Well, I just like to think this through, and I want to I examine some other possibilities kind of thing. When God has already spoken to us, when he has spoken and spoken in, and revealed himself to us, and then we say, I wonder if it's really so. It's not just innocent speculation or being open-minded. We mentioned Eve, Adam and Eve in the garden a few weeks ago, talking about Satan's devices. And his, he started with the question, yea, has, has God said to Eve? 
She knew good and well what the Lord had said. There was no confusion about it. You can eat of all these trees except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the midst of the garden. Don't eat of the fruit of that tree. When the day you eat it, you shall surely die. Period. All right, move on to the next topic. And Satan says, yea, hath God said. I know that I'm not the first one to think this thought, but we need to think about it. When we take something that God has clearly revealed and we put it back on the table for discussion, it's possibly, maybe it's not fully true, maybe it's partially true, maybe it's part truth, and, and we put it back op open for discussion, it's only going to lead you one way, and that's away from the truth. You already had the truth. You were already in the truth. And so when I put it back on the table and begin, it's not innocent speculation. It's actually rebellion and sin, and it leads to bigger rebellion and sin. We hear terms like this in our day, and it's this appeal to the church and really to the society about you need to be open-minded about this, a doctrine, a belief. Uh, what about the Hindus? What, what about the Muslims? What about the people that don't believe? What about the homosexual crowd? What about this? What about that? We need to be open-minded about how God deals with them or treats them or feels about them. or anything. No, I, I know exactly how God feels about it. He loves them. He loves them very much. And if they'd repent and give their lives to Christ, they would be saved, just like you and me and Paul and Peter and everyone else. But we... We're, we're told like to, we need to bridge these gaps and we need to build bridges, not walls. And we need to be open-minded. I'm talking about with people that don't believe, people of other beliefs. And all those things sound really wonderful. But what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness, the Bible says. That's, I didn't say that. The Lord says that. What fellowship has him that believes with an unbeliever or an infidel? We try to bridge gaps. You can't bridge it other than the gospel. That's the best bridge and the only bridge that's ever been laid that will reconcile men and, and these that are estranged from God and estranged from one another will be the gospel. That's the bridge that's laid, the cross. And we can come that way or no way. But we begin to question things, and it moves us away from the Lord or it can move us away from the Lord. It's one thing if we genuinely don't know, and I'm going to spend a moment on this. There are things from the Bible I don't know. There are things from the Bible you don't know. There are people that know the Bible way better than I do and are way farther along. It's one thing if in innocence, as believers, we genuinely don't know the answer. What do we do if we genuinely don't know the answer to something that deals with God and man and truth and life? We go to the Bible, right? <clears throat> we go to the Word in prayer. We go to the Scriptures <clears throat> that He's given to us, and we search those things. If we don't know the answer to something, go find it in the Word. Seek for that wisdom as a, as a hidden jewel or treasure as a man seeks for pearls or gold or something. Go to his Word and find out. So in the case when we don't know, we go to the Lord honestly, and we go to the Lord humbly, and we search the Scriptures. Those in Berea, they were more noble, Paul said, than those in Thessalonica, or Luke wrote this, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. I know that we've all heard that, that passage, but that's what we do. We go to the word of God and we, we seek it. We study his word. We seek him in his word and the answer that we didn't know, when do we heed his word as directed by the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost is our teacher. 
You can, I've heard people say, you can make the word say anything you want to. You ever heard that? By a skeptic or an unbeliever. You can make the Bible twist it any way you want. And I guess to some extent that's true. But, you know, Jesus dying means he died. For the sins of all means for the sins of all. Him being buried and rising from the dead and showing himself to men alive three days after he died. That means what it says. You can't pervert everything. But I'm talking about being rightly, go to the scriptures and be led by the spirit of truth. He will teach you. He will guide you into all truth. So it's one thing not to know something. A lot of things we don't know. And that's not a sin. But it's, God wouldn't have us to continue not knowing something if he wants us to know. He's saying go to the Bible. Go to the scriptures. Go what I've already revealed to you. They belong to you. The things that are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever. Now, here's the thing. When we, when we do seek out the Lord and answer, maybe just personally for direction in your life, some, something about raising children, something about taking this job, uh, whatever it may be, we go to the Lord, or maybe we don't understand a doctrine perfectly, and we've heard this view and we've heard that view. We go to the Bible. We go to the Bible in prayer, and we take time and we study and we, we precept upon precept and line upon line and word upon word, here a little, there a little, and a doctrine is put together, and Almighty God will show us and he will teach us. Now, having said that, once we know, when, once we know that, uh, I'm just pick, pick something, once we know, for example, that uh, there's heaven and hell and there's no purgatory, no in-between place, let's say we were studying that, because we had heard from somebody that there was a purgatory that we could pay our dues basically and maybe our folks back on earth could get us out of there a little quicker and we believe there's heaven and hell and, and uh, there's this purgatory we go to the scriptures and we find out there is no purgatory there is no purgatory it's appointed unto men once to die and after this the judgment and there's a separation of the just and the unjust at different times and we go to heaven or we go to hell and, and the, the only ticket to, to heaven or the only so once bar that keeps one out is the blood of Christ and putting our faith in Jesus. So once we go to the word of God and we see that, here's the key, y'all, to today's message. That has to settle it for you. I know that sounds very simple. When God has spoken something and revealed it and you come to know it, that settles it for you. And can I say that has to settle it, better settle it for you. It must settle it for you. Because if it does not, what will settle it for you? If God Almighty's word taught by the Holy Spirit, rightly divided from the word of God that he has revealed to us, if that doesn't settle it for you, then what will? What will it take for you to come and say, okay, that, that does it. Now, my friends agree that that's the ticket. Now, now this pastor that I follow on TV or online, this podcast, he, he agrees that that'll settle it for me. If Almighty God, through his word, as you honestly go to it studying and revealed by the Holy Spirit, if that does not settle it for you, then I would say nothing will. The Bible speaks in the end times. Why am I talking about this today? It's an Old Testament verse about the revealed things belong to us. Because the Bible says that in the last days, Paul describes by the Holy Spirit, that one of the, one of the characteristics of the climate, moral climate and spiritual climate, will be that there are those who are ever learning 
and never, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Ever learning. That means they're actually seeking out. They want to hear something new. They want to learn, but it's not an honest wanting to learn because God has already revealed it and they've, chunked, they've already refused this. Oh, don't tell me about the Bible. I really want to know. I really want to know. I know that old book says that, okay? Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so that the Lord would say to me and to all of us, you don't, the things that are revealed belong to us. If you don't know something, go to God and find out. However long that takes, you might need to pray, you might need to pray and fast. But you go to the Lord until you find out. And once you have found out from the Lord, then that has to settle it for you. And you and I have to stand there. And we have to stay there. And we have to live there because everything is going to be trying to move you off of that position. Everything in this life and the the, the doctrines of devils and seducing spirits and, and what's popular in pop culture and everything else is going to try to come against that belief that knowing that you have from the Lord and attack it and undermine it and move you off of that position. There's not one thing, I say it all the time and I think about it, there's not one other thing in this world besides, I'm going to say the Lord, his word, his Holy Spirit, his church, okay? There's not another entity or being or influence in this life and in your life or my life that is going to guide me in the truth. There's not another one. There are other influences. There are other voices. But the truth is the truth. And you and I need to be settled there and stay there and stand there. Even, here we go, even if it is unpopular with others. Even if others question it. Even if others in the church question it. Even if that stance is unpopular and attacked and ridiculed, and that stance is viewed as being harsh, unloving, narrow-minded, reactionary, all those things outdated. If you know you've heard from God, and this is how we know we've heard from God, okay, from the Bible, and once we've heard from the Lord, we need to stay there like a rock, established on the rock, and not be moved. Okay, because it's not another influence. The only one direction you can go from truth, if you're in it, is away from it. Even the least little bit. I'll give another example. Well, I, I've heard this. You probably have. If you, if you kind of hear uh, from time to time or listen to or read, you know, uh, again, the progressive church just comes to mind. Uh, I just can't believe, playing devil's advocate, okay, a progressive Christian. I just can't believe that a loving God would actually send people to hell forever. Somebody's just 15 years old in this life and they died in a car wreck just because they didn't know Jesus, give their lives to Christ. I just can't believe that a loving God would do that and that hell is forever and it's as bad as the, the Bible says. That scripture doesn't resonate with me. That doctrine doesn't resonate with me. I I'm, I'm a Christian, but I choose not to. I choose not to believe in a God that would actually send people to hell. 
You ever heard something like that? But his word is forever, ever settled in heaven. And you and I go to the word of God. And we find out that Jesus actually spoke more about hell than he did heaven. Because he is love and he doesn't want anybody to go there. And he made a way for nobody to go there. The worst and the worst and the worst of sinners doesn't have to go to hell. And doesn't have to spend eternity there. His appeal is come. Come unto me all that labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Come unto me and be saved. Old Testament and New Testament. Come unto me and be saved. Why will you die, O house of Israel? He's saying the same thing in this day and hour. Why will you die and go to hell when you don't have to? What's the point, though, about this? I was just given an example. We need to be established in the truth, whether it's heaven and hell or whatever it may be, that God is clearly revealed and not be moved. I'll tell you what we don't, de- don't do in that case. Well, I'm not sure about uh, heaven and hell. I'm going to seek out some knowledgeable authorities on the subject. I'm not saying you do this. I'm saying people do this, and people in the church do this. I'm going to seek out a knowledgeable authority on this subject. Or I'm going to go to a group of people that are knowledgeable, and I'm going to seek to, to derive or arrive at some consensus. I'm going to put all the world's great religions together and all the great thinkers together and the experts together, and I'm going to derive at a consensus in what, what seems to work. Is that what we do for truth? We go, to, we go to Almighty God. Sanctify them through thy truth, Jesus said. Thy word is truth. We go to the word of God. And that settles it for us. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? What's popular in the world. What good people and free thinkers think. Find out what most of the wise people think on the earth. Is that what he says? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God will teach us. If we generally don't know something, he'll teach us, okay? But once he's taught us, once it's clearly revealed, whether it's popular or unpopular, and for the most part, it's going to be unpopular, we stay there, and we stand there, and we don't move from there. It's the only direction you can move is away from the truth. That which he has clearly revealed. There's that song we sing, I I take him at his word indeed. Christ died to save me, this I read. In my heart I find a need for him to be my savior. I take him at his word indeed. I know that's a song. But y'all, when we seek the Lord and seek unto the Lord for that answer, that wisdom, that understanding of truth, to be in the truth, we have to go to him honestly. We can't say, well, I'm going to go to the Bible Oh, but that's not the answer I really wanted. So now we need to go to him humbly and say, Lord, I don't know. Teach me and show me. And when he teaches us and show, shows us, we say, yes, Lord. We say, yes, Lord. Jesus said, if any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine. I always thought about it. if we'll do God's will, we'll know. If any man will do the will of God, he will know the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether Jesus says, I speak of myself. Am I just another voice babbling, another voice like all the many voices telling you the way to God? You'll know if you'll do. If any man will do what God has revealed, then he'll know the truth. 
and the Lord will reveal more. Amen. But what God has spoken, what he has declared, what he has revealed, those things belong to us. And we don't put those things back up on the table for questioning. I know I'm being redundant. I know that we don't put those back open for discussion. Uh, the virgin birth, yeah, people say that that really can't happen. Uh, let's put it back up for open discussion. Of course, the world does that. The world's lost. But there are people in the church that do things like this. That's how you have something called progressive Christianity. Because everything's up for debate. The scriptures don't settle it for them. The Bible does not settle it for them. They say, well, we think there's other, I'm a Christian, but that's my way, but I, hear, I believe there are other ways. And you say, well, the Bible says in John 14, 6, that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That doesn't settle it for them. Because they don't believe the word is inspired, authoritative, and sufficient. It's in our doctrinal statement, by the way. We believe that the scriptures are inspired or breathed from the Lord, literally, literally breathed out, that they are authoritative, they have the authority, and they are sufficient, that I don't have to take Christianity and Christian psychology, Christianity and something else along with it. We, are, we, are, we go to the word of God. We don't put those things that God has given. There's much I admit I don't know. The things we don't know, if God wants us to know, he will speak to us and lead us and guide us from his word. It will align with his word. We don't put the revealed truths of God back up on the chopping block and say, let's revisit this. See if it's really so. What do you think, Hindu? What do you think, Oprah? What do you think? And, and tell me what you think about it. And we go to it and we re revisit and we debate it and we dialogue it and we investigate it. We don't take those things that have clearly been revealed and given to us by God. Here's what I was thinking. We don't take the things that God has revealed to us and, and given to us and act like he didn't reveal them to us and give them to us. He gave me that truth. Do I like to think about hell? No. Is it a, is it a reality for men outside of Christ? Yes. Was it a reality for me in my life before I got saved? Yes. It is the word of God, and that settles it for us. We don't give it away. We don't say, no, thank you, Lord. And we don't act like he didn't give it to us. Well, here's some more of those playing devil's advocate, so to speak. Well, we need to take an honest, there's people within the church, in the walls of the church. Maybe they're saved, maybe they're not. We need to take an honest, open look at some other views before we just say, Hell is where all unbelievers end up. We need to take some open, honest views on the, on the topic. Or you may hear, when you stand upon the truth of God's word, when it's unpopular, you may hear, and I may hear, don't be so arrogant as to think that you have it all figured out, that you have the answers to everything. I would say, I don't have the answers to everything, but I do have the ones he's given me. I do have the ones that God has given me, and I'm not going to act like I don't have the ones that he's given to me. Professing themselves to be wise, they became what? What does the Bible say? Fools. 
How so? How do they profess themselves to be wise become fools? Listen to this from Romans 1. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. You ever thought about it? What is we're talking about? The things that are secret belong unto the Lord our God. There are things that are still today kept secret that we don't know. But the things which are revealed by God to men, they belong to us. And he's saying right here, because that which may be known of God is, manif- is manifest in them, for God has showed it to them. He's already shown them. He's already shown them. And he says the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. They're without excuse. Because that when they knew God, or had some type of knowledge of the Lord that was some type of true knowledge of the Lord from the Lord, they, didn't, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. I know that you've read that passage, but we see this, this thought. I'm not speaking about the things we don't know. I'm, thinking about, I'm speaking about the things that God has already revealed primarily from the scriptures about himself, what he's manifest to us. And once he has revealed them to us, they are ours. And once he has revealed them to us, we become responsible to walk in those things and to obey those things and to proclaim those things and to teach those things and to rest in those things. Those things are not to be, we're to defend those things and, and stand for those things and for Christ and for truth. They're not to be discussed in the, in the sense of an open forum where everything's back on the table. I remember uh, I've done prison ministry, I don't know how many years, not the last few years, but 20, 25 years of my life probably in the ministries, and I remember even seeing changes in prison ministry where it went from, uh, not in every prison, but where it went from, you know, we want you as a pastor, minister, and your church people to come in, and these men need the Lord and have your way, you know, preach the truth in love, which was wonderful, to come into a point somewhere where there's a new chaplain, a new philosophy, and they would say, you come in here and you just kind of sit there and be a facilitator you just you just and nobody's right and wrong you let the men discuss different things from the bible or more topics of morality and so forth and don't really usurp any kind of authority and that, that's not going to get anybody anywhere this is these topic this this thought where if we just get more opinions and we come to a consensus and everybody's valid and nobody's right and nobody's wrong you know, I've been dead wrong about a lot of things. You know what I mean? People are right and some people are wrong. It's not, well, everybody's partially right and everybody's partially wrong. We come to the scriptures, to what God has revealed, and Jesus said, go ye therefore and preach this gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. So if I'm sitting at a, a, a table with the world's leaders or, 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 or proponents of the world's, quote, great religions, 
And I'm sitting there. That's what I'm to do, to preach the gospel to them because the Lord loves them. And he gives me a lot. I'm not trying to find out where is a meeting ground where we can meet. What kind of this, this group of diverse believers, uh, beliefs, not believers, beliefs, what's the common ground where we can build bridges to one another? That's not what we're called to do. We proclaim the truth. We proclaim truth. A sower went forth to sow. What did he sow? He sowed the seed. The seed is the word of God, right? Some fell on good soil. Some fell on not good soil. It has to do with the heart of man believing upon Christ and bearing fruit, fruit or not. Amen? But it's not to be dialogued. I said this, but it's a major point. If I'm in the truth, I'm in the truth. In other words, I believe the Bible. I believe the word of God is taught by the Holy Spirit. I don't know it all, but I believe what he has revealed to me. And I start questioning what I know God has spoken. There's only one direction I can move. I'm not going to go into deeper truth. I'm in the truth. But I'm going to take the opinion and, uh, and study people of different beliefs and uh, even within Christianity, and I'm going to find myself, there's only one direction you and I can move or an individual can move in relation to truth, and that's away from it. That's the only direction we can, can move. I'll give an example. The church's view, I say the church's, I don't believe it's the true church, but what's called the church's view on homosexuality today? We've seen it in our lifetimes. This is a change that has taken place in most of our lifetimes. Lifetimes, We've seen it firsthand, okay? Um, God loves the sinner. God can save the sinner. He can save the fornicator, the adultery, adulterer, the murderer, the thief, the idolater, the worship, worshiper of a false god, the homosexual. He loves the same, and all can be saved. All can be, Okay? But what do we see in our day? Well, the Lord, what we see in our day, and we've seen it, is that now we have changed our views on homosexual behavior, and we don't see it as a sin. Scientists have proved that it is that an individual was born this way. And we're not only going to, we're not going to condemn it or point it out as being sin. We're actually going to celebrate it. Celebrate it. And so none of that was derived from the truth. None of that was derived from what has clearly been revealed that belongs to us from the word of God. That was derived from what was going on in society and in the world. In the spirit of Antichrist. Does the Lord love a homosexual any less than he loves a different, another person? Absolutely not. Can they be saved? And do they, can they be saved? Yes. They be, are they saved in some other way than a, 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 another person is saved? Absolutely not. We come through the blood of Jesus. Some through the fire, some through the flood, some through the water, all through the blood. Right? We come through, through Christ. But that's just an example to where people that would call themselves Christians and maybe within that circle, I have a good friend that uh, part of Episcopal, Episcopalian church here. and He has seen his church in the last 
15 or 20 years greatly change. Ordaining homosexuals, performing homosexual marriages with the blessings, quote, of God upon that life. And his, he was about to get out of his church. You might have done something different. I'm just making the point. And they end up staying. His, his church, local church, does not adhere to that of the greater uh, church. But my point is that the, these things, you say, well, you're, you're judging the homosexual or you're judging me or my behavior. I'm not actually your judge. Homosexual, fornicator, atheist, agnostic, humanist, I'm not your judge. The Lord is the judge, and can I tell you, he has already judged you and your behavior, that practice in his word. He has already said that it's sin. And if unrepented sin of whatever kind is going to end up being separated from God and lost forever, yes, in a very real place called hell and then a lake of fire to follow that, I want you to read one, one passage. We're, we're bringing this to a close. Romans chapter 1. I read, I quoted some from there. Now these are those that when they knew God, they didn't glorify God. God had clearly revealed himself through nature and in other ways. He had made himself known to them. They, knew, they acknowledged that they had gotten this revelation or this knowledge of the Lord, but they walked away from it. They didn't want it. They weren't thankful. They didn't glorify him as, as God. Neither were thankful. So I want to read a, a good chunk of scripture here. Romans 1.24. Wherefore God also gave them, this is people, up. He gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Let's skip to verse 26. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. See, they had a measure of truth, a real truth from the Lord, some revelation of God and truth, but they weren't thankful, and they didn't glorify God as God. So what direction can you go from that? Away, right? You're just going away from the truth. And here's where God says he gave them up. And this is the type of thing he gave them up to. Vile affections for for even the women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over into a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affections, implacable, unmerciful, <coughs> who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. We have this passage in the Bible. You and I are not to pretend like we don't have it in the Bible. Is it my topic to preach on? Should it be our topic to preach on every day? No. But if there's this belief that uh, love wins, right? That's Rob Bell, I think's famous book. 
Love wins. He's in Christian bookstores that homosexuality is perfectly acceptable behavior. Who are you to tell me who to love, right? All these kind of things. They're clever little sayings, but they're not true. This is the truth. This is the truth. We just read that passage. We just read the passage. So I don't have to invent. I wonder what God thinks about homosexual sexual behavior. You know, a lot of churches are ordaining homosexuals as pastor and performing homosexual weddings. I wonder what God really thinks about it. Beware of asking the way when you already know it. He has already given it to us. The only way I can move, and that's one example. I used heaven and hell as an example, right? And here we're using this because it's, it's a trend, I guess you would say, in what's called the church. The only direction you and I can move from truth when we're in it is away from the truth. We can move away from it and not closer. Be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, the Bible says. We ought not kid ourselves. You know, one of the biggest compliments the world thinks to give, or one of the best quality traits is to be tolerant and open-minded. You're so open-minded about this. You're going to go explore and investigate. I always think about this. I'm not getting my car fixed, okay? If I was getting my car fixed and say this is the way my grandpappy used to change a radiator, okay, and my dad, and somebody goes, I got a much quicker, better way from that. I'm all ears. I want to hear it, okay? When it comes to just life things like that, a better way to, uh, to hang crown molding and cut it. You ever try to cut crown mold? It's very complicated, upside down and backwards, and it's very confusing. And every time I go to cut crown mold, and 10 years later, I'll try it again, and I forget, and I have to relearn it all over. Uh, if you got a better way, I'm all ears to hear it. I'll be open-minded about that. But when it comes to the truth, as it is in Christ Jesus, don't be ridiculed and intimidated by the threats of this world and those within the church saying, you're, you're, you're so narrow-minded and bigoted, and you're this, and you're that, and you're reactionary. We're not those things when it comes to the truth. You know what we are instead? We're humble and happy to be in the truth. I'm so thankful I'm in the truth. I'm so thankful that I'm not confused about homosexual behavior, if that's a sin or not. God's already judged it. I'm so thankful to know there's heaven and hell, and there's not some places in between where you can work your way out of it over some, some ambiguous amount of time you might get out of there. Uh, I'm so thankful to be in the truth. You'll hear things like this. Well, at least pray about it. That's what the Mormons say when they knock at my door. And I say, we don't believe the same gospel, the same Jesus. We don't believe it. We, be we worship a different God. Or with the Jehovah's Witness. And they say, at least pray about it. Should you pray about it? Should you pray about, well, they're right. We're Christians that pray about everything, right? Should I pray about to see if there's some truth in that? Or maybe they're right. Should you do that? Absolutely not. Because we already have the truth. The only direction I can move is away from that. Well, at least pray about it. At least hear me out. At least hear what I have to say on the matter. What can it hurt to listen 
just read the book, just go to the movie, just, just hear me out. Again, if you're talking about uh, some way to uh, uh, run a more efficient chemical plant, and you got a, a real discovery, I want to hear about it, if that was my interest. You understand my point? That's one thing. But when it comes to the truth as it is in Christ Jesus, I don't have to pray about it, and I don't have to at least hear it out, I don't have to at least try it. I don't. I'm not responsible for that. In fact, I'm told not to do that. I don't have to try a little cyanide to know it's deadly. I just watched three people drink from that same cup and they all killed over dead. I don't have to try it. Well, at least try it and see. No, I don't have to try. And I don't have to try a little false doctrine to know that it's false. I have the word of God that already tells me it's false. I'm going to close with this thought. Jude, we all know the scripture, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you. So Jude is writing to Christian brothers. He's saying this was a need for me to write unto you, and it's a need for us. It was needful for me to write unto you that, and exhort you that you should earnestly contend, that means fight for, the faith which was once delivered unto the saints that's what we fight for if I'm wrestling myself whether it's even true or not I'm not going to be a good soldier in that fight am I I'm already in trouble let God's word settle it for you D you can come on up it must settle it for us when it comes to truth I'm not closed minded and so forth and ignorant and unwilling to learn instead what I would say the Bible would say is that we've come to know the truth as it is in Christ Jesus we're happy to be in the truth we know what we know and we know why we know it and who we learned it from and we're going to stay right there we don't question or compromise it we hold to it it belongs to us the things that are revealed belong to us we love that we love the truth we cling to the truth and we stay in the truth and so while these these playing the altars are open, but I want to close by reading. I know when we were doing our series on the Psalms, I don't remember exactly who taught Psalm 19, but we did a study on this Psalm, and there's a passage in Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. What is? I don't have to search out a body of, of experts. You know, what, what way is the wind blowing morally and socially today? We know which way it's blowing. The love of many is going to wax cold, the Bible says. Evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. We already know that. But we have the truth right here, and we hold to it. Testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Do we love them like that? Because these revealed things belong to us. The truths and judgments of the Lord, the testimonies of God. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant that would be me, 
warned, and in keeping of them is great reward. This altar's open. I pray you just come and thank the Lord for the truth as it's in Christ. Maybe you've been reading books and it's got some good stuff and bad stuff in it, you know, and things like this. And you say, well, I'll, I'll just, uh, you know, I'm okay. Can't hurt. A lot of good friends of mine. And I know they love Jesus and they read this book. We need to stay in the truth, y'all. There's only one way we move from truth and that's away from it. Let God's word settle it for you. If you don't know the answer, go to God. Be taught by the Holy Spirit in the scriptures. Once you know it, put your stake in the ground right there and don't move. Once you know you've heard from God, rightly divided the word of God. Father, we come before you. And Lord, we do say, like that song we sing sometimes, I'm happy to be in the truth. Lord, we daily want to live in your word and by your word, Father. And God, forgive us where we have entertained thoughts other than the truth. When we entertained opinions and experts thinking it was so admirable to be open-minded. Lord, there are many things we don't know. I will gladly say I don't know. And Lord, you can teach us by your word and by the Holy Spirit. But the things you have revealed to men, those belong to us, God. Help us to cling to those things, to love and delight ourselves in those things and in you, God. Help us, God, at Cornerstone. Help us individually as believers to be salt and light and a beacon in this time, not just to the world, God, but to so much of the church that is in confusion and sin and error. God, help us, Lord. We're not arrogant about it. We're thankful. Thankful for opening our eyes. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Ghost to teach us. Thank you for the incorruptible word of God that abides forever. Bless your people and strengthen us, Lord, in Jesus' name.